the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. I hate seeing stories like this, but the USA Today did a fascinating story on a black family that got a lowball appraisal for their Ohio home. Then they switched out all the family photos on the wall with a white family next door. And they got a second appraisal that was $100,000 higher, which is about 30% higher. That's insane. And that is systemic racism in America. It does exist. I've lived on the East Coast. I've lived on the West Coast. I would prefer to live on the West Coast because it's a lot less obvious than it is on the East Coast. That's Rob's commentary of the day. Um, the paths to retire as a millionaire. You have to start early. You have to invest. I'm going to say boldly when you're younger because it feels bigger than it is. But much like a child, when you're a teenage kid and you, you know, saw a hockey game, you're like, wow, these guys are huge. And to a six-year-old kid, hockey players are huge. But once you're, you know, they, you kind of grow up a little bit with it, right? Same thing with investing. The first couple times you do it, you're like, man, I could spend that $166 a month on something way better like video games or, or 10 movies. But later in life, you're going to be like, I'm glad I did that. So the key to success of getting to a million is start early. Start when you're 20. The longer your money has to grow, the more it can grow for you. My biggest regret is I didn't start earlier. My biggest regret is I didn't start in the womb. I know you're saying that's a pretty big womb if you've got like an online brokerage in there. Hey, don't talk about my mother's womb like that. A single $1,000 investment, $1,000 a year, if you get 8% growth, which is conservative to the stock market, the average stock market return over long periods is closer to 10%. $1,000 in five years will grow to $1,469. But you have to keep doing it. Five years, 10 years, 15, 20. After 20 years, that $1,000 is $4,661. After 25 years, that $1,000 is $6,800. After 30 years, if you if your grandparents gave you $1,000 when you turned 20, and now you're 50 years old, that's Give it another five years at a below market return of 8%. It's $14,785. So $1,000 turns into $14,000 all before you're 60. By the time you're 60, it's $21,000. That's amazing. And that's exactly what you want to do. Start early. The difference of starting at 20 and 30 in this example, would be double. 
or half as much. And if you wait till you're 40, the difference would be about 500%. Or if you were trying to do the subtraction method, about 75% lower. So step one, start early. Step two, invest aggressively. I gave you an 8% return. Bonds, and when I say aggressively, that word has different meanings to you and I both. Right? I'm not talking irrationally. I'm talking don't be afraid of market pullbacks. In fact, enjoy them. And maybe when there's a pullback, then you're going, I'm going to change my $1,000 investment to 2000 because I didn't know you can get stocks 10, 20% off. And you can sometimes, not often, but you can. So stocks have outperformed bonds over the most long periods of time. Bonds have outperformed real estate over most long periods of time. So don't buy into that BS that your neighbors tell you that real estate's the best investment they ever made. It's the best liability that became a great investment. And when I say aggressively, if you have $1,000 to invest, try to do $2,000. If you have $2,000, try to do $4,000. 8% grower for $10,000 after 30 years is $1.2 million. So $10,000 a year for 30 years will grow to $1.2 million. $20,000, if you double it, will grow to $2.4 million. And again, I know I'm spending your money for you and you were like, that's a lot of money. But that's the difference between, like for instance, I've got an Acorns account. Uh, it automatically rounds up some of my purchases, all my purchases on credit cards. So if I spend $3.50, it'll round it up to $4. So it'll invest 50 cents for me. You can choose to have it invest three times that. So it'll invest a buck 50. I do that. Every now and then I go, you know, on Fridays, I could invest another $125 or I could actually invest $250 and I do that. So that's my definition of aggressive. It's not crazy. It's not wackadoodle. It's not trying to fit $1,000 and turn it into 10000 in a year. That's too aggressive. It's turning $10,000 into $1.2 million over 30 years. And my third point on becoming a millionaire, first, to repeat, start early. The more years you have, the better. Second, be aggressive with your how much you can put in. Try to find a little bit more. Try to focus on stocks over bonds. Try not to get trapped in that liability trap of other people's money. And finally, the last piece of advice is stay the course. Um, I like the phrase moderation in moderation. I even like my moderation to be moderate. I'm cool. I've got plenty of time. Now, of course, I'm going to get hit by a bus today. Knock on wood. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I am the aforementioned Rob Black. Thanks for listening. An education-first approach to managing your money. This is The Rob Black Show. Invest in what is really important. 
Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. So some Apple event spoilers. Spoiler alert. Nothing looks all that great, but maybe that's where the surprise comes in. The iPhone 13 will have a narrower notch, same exact sizes as last year. New camera feature, uh, video version of portrait mode. A new artificial intelligence-driven filter system to apply different styles to your photos and higher quality video recording and ProRes and Pro models. The Pro models will stick to three lenses. The regular models will have two. Of course, you're going to get a faster processor. Satellite features, the Apple Watch Series 7 larger screens from 40 millimeter to 44 to 41 and 45. So one millimeter bigger on both. Um, slimmer bezels. That gives you a little bit more resolution. Faster processor. No one's expecting a major health update. The next one is expected to be temperature next year followed by blood pressure two years after that, followed by blood sugar reading two years after that. So new sensors are on hold, but as technology continues to evolve, look for that to become more of a healthcare company, Apple, or maybe they'll spin off the healthcare side of it. What else is there that we need to know today? Um, that's a good question. Facebook has some internal documents that seem to point that Instagram is bad news for teenage girls. Anytime there's a report out there like that, you can completely expect Congress to get involved. Well, what do you mean you don't like young women? You know, Mitch McConnell had polio as a kid. So... The Republicans are having a big debate right now where the House of Representatives are saying every state should have their own own mandates. Uh, this is constitutional. And Mitch McConnell's staying quiet, which is interesting that there's a split there. There's a split in the, inside the Democrats on taxes. High gas electricity prices may spread worldwide is a concern that would act as an inflationary slowdown to the world. You increase the cost of energy and people say, yeah. Too expensive to send this 10 cent soda can across the, uh, across the world in a, a boat. So we'll either raise it to 12 cents or we're not going to send it. On the other side of the, the world, the world can say, well, I like that 10 cent soda, but 12 cents is too much. So you can cut down your demand on inflating prices of energy. Support.com uh, is the newest meme stock. It's got the greatest short squeeze potential. That's hilarious. Some people are basing their investment decisions on how many people think a company's going to go to zero. Um, when you go long a stock, in theory, you want to buy low and sell high. When you go short a stock, you want to sell it high and buy it low. Believe it or not, you cannot 
buy the stock at zero. So you have to get out somewhere above one penny. Speaking of shorts, big short investor Michael Burry has talked a little bit about his housing bubble call. It's pretty interesting. He's kind of shared the information and given it to people like me to take a look at how his signature bet against the housing bubble began. He called out two subprime mortgage lenders who later ran into serious trouble. And uh, he basically looked for the weakest mortgage players to see who was gonna be the first one in the bankruptcy, knowing that it could create a house of cards type scenario. And I'm hitting shorts too much today, right? Amazon's going to hire 125,000 workers with starting pay at $18 an hour. That's not too shabby. Um, you know how yesterday I did a whole hour dedicating to what will you do in retirement? One of the things I said is I'd love to work at like a Home Depot when I'm 65 and be the guy who knows where everything is. Just so I walk around a store for six hours a day. I don't need a 10-hour shift. I don't need overtime. I don't need an employee discount. I want a reason to walk. $18 an hour would be reason enough if I had fully funded retirement. If, do you see what I'm saying? But Amazon's gonna hire 125,000 workers. I saw that another business today, a grocery business, Albertson said they're having a problem hiring enough workers. So hiring is a big issue in America right now. Big issue. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. In what could be come from the file of, I don't think we really need that, Rob. <laughs> yep. Taco Bell is testing a $5 taco subscription. Now, I'm going to give you a second to try to think about how you think that's going to work out. Here's the idea. It's going to be tested, I believe, in Arizona and one other state, probably just in two cities. But for somewhere between 5 and $10, you can get one taco a day. It all has to be done through the app so that you can't walk from store to store to store kind of thing. And uh, again, do we really need a taco subscription? This is really, really important for me to get out here. Wall Street loves subscriptions. Netflix, what they have going for them is that you're a subscriber. Costco, what they have going for them is that you're a subscriber. Microsoft and Sony are trying to give away $60 games as long as you're willing to pay $5 a month, $10 a month. So if you get three games that year, you you think you've won, whereas they see the visibility to having you as the subscription is, is heavenly. So Taco Bell is testing taco subscription for $5 a month. Subscriptions have been growing in restaurant industries, pioneered by Panera and Preet. Um, to cash in on your taco, you have to have the app. You get a crunchy taco, a spicy potato soft taco, a crunchy supreme taco, a soft supreme taco, a Doritos Loco taco, a Doritos Locos taco supreme. That has my head spinning. I did not know there was that many freaking fracking tacos at Taco Bell. But I'm gonna throw this down here right now. We are now living in the subscription economy. Panera launched a daily coffee subscription for $9 a month in 2020. 
company called Preet. They have a similar five drinks per day for $26 a month. Both companies have said last year was a massive success in bringing in new customers and keeping them coming back. And sometimes when you come back for a cup of coffee, you're like, oh, I'll take a donut too. Reward programs are big. Popeyes gives away freebies. Starbucks has a popular app that people are so loyal to that it sparked backlash when they changed the terms. Chipotle's got an in-app rewards program hitting 20 million members within the first two years of launching. I'm Rob Black. Find me at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. An education-first approach to managing your money. This is The Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. One of the things I spend my afternoons on is research. Lots and lots and lots of research. Whether it's Standard & Poor's tear sheets, or whether it's conference calls, whether it's taking in some time to review what's happening at trade shows, which is really strange because it used to be you could get like catalogs of information, but now it's all online. And with COVID, it's even more online. So most of the presentations that you had to go to are now being streamed. I spend an enormous amount of money on research. Some of it I get free for sure. Um, How do you get free research, you say? Well, here's a good example. I have maybe an account with a Fidelity, a TD Ameritrade, maybe a Vanguard. When you have accounts with them, you can log in because they don't want to have a human talk to you. They don't want to do the call center thing. They'd rather you log in into your own buys and sells. Because of that, while you're there, they provide you things like research. Same things that they would provide their sales associates so that they can kind of educate you on what you're buying and selling. It's professional grade stuff. Um, to give you a way back example, when I was 25 years ago, kind of scratching and clawing my way into the industry, I didn't have any money. I was very, I wasn't poor. I was probably upper middle class, but I didn't have that kind of money. You had to choose between, you know, a new printer for the office or research kind of thing. And uh, one of the things I would do is on Saturdays and Sundays, I would go to my public library and study stocks on in value line. Most public libraries have them. I don't know if yours does. I've never been to yours. But value line is a fantastic, fantastic quantitative look at stocks. It's just showing you the financial data. So one thing I'm going to do later today is I'm going to get on a call with Barron's Live. Barron's is a research, I would say, newspaper that's published over the weekends. And they've kind of turned it 24-7, 365 with the digital world. But it used to be you had to wait, and it only came in one 60-page newspaper kind of form. So you know what I'm talking about, newspaper, that old, that, that paper that you can like pay, make paper mache out of. Um, and if you've never made paper mache, you're really missing out. But later today, there's a call from with Gene Munster and with Eric Savitz. Eric Savitz is one of those guys I have not. 20 years ago when he got in the industry, I'm like, you're too young. And he probably looked at me and he's like, you're too young. Now that we've both been in the industry for a long time, I've known him from working at Forbes, the Industry Standard, Smart Money, Brunswick Group, Roku. Um, 
He's an associate editor for technology for Barron's. He's hosting a call with Gene Munster, who is the co-founder and managing partner of Loop Ventures, who used to be a big tech analyst uh, back in the day of the brokerage firms where the brokers had a research department and the broker would call you instead of you going to Vanguard and getting your own free research or Fidelity or TD Ameritrade. The broker would call you and say, hey, my tech guy, my, my tech analyst uh, in research, he's got a new report out about Apple. The guy's name was like Gene Munster. He's been called the best on the street from the Wall Street Journal, top stock picker from Forbes. He's widely recognized for his work on Apple and understanding it. So anytime Gene Munster talks, I listen. It's that kind of simple. If I have to pay to hear him speak, I'll pay to hear him speak. You got to take some responsibility on some of this stuff. I believe in research. Remember earlier in the show, I was talking about shorting stocks where your, your theme is, I think the stock is going to go out of business versus I think the stock is going to get booming business. Your theme is, I think the stock is overvalued versus I think the stock is undervalued. I see some growth catalysts. I don't get the short mentality. I don't understand it in any way, shape, or form. It's not my thing. Do I get overvalued stocks? Yep. Do I get stocks that I think look like bad businesses that are going to die? Absolutely. I think the day and age of sitting in a crowded movie theater just isn't attractive anymore. Yes, there was something to be said for seeing Friday the 13th, part two or three or four or five or six at a movie theater and having 200 to 400 people scream in, in fear. I'm okay now if it's 20 to 40 people, all in big recliners. Um, there is something magical about movie theaters. I could tell you that I once saw Purple Rain in a movie theater, and it, I happened to be in a very urban movie theater, implying that me, my brother, and my date were the only Caucasians and it was something to behold. People, women were crying when Prince would come on stage in the movie. In the movie, he'd come on stage and women were crying like he's they could hear him. They were crying like, pay attention to me. And I was like, whoa. Um, I remember seeing the talking heads. My brother Pete, my brother Clint, excuse me, took me to see Stop Making Sense in a movie theater. And that was wild because people would stand up and start dancing to a concert film in a movie theater. But yeah, I do see some businesses that I go, I don't need to see that anything ever again with two to 400 people in the movie theater. I'm kind of digging the big recliners until someone starts to show me the germs and they put a purple light on those big recliners. I'm like, ooh, gross. Um, but anyway, research is super important. And I, I think it's important that you spend a little bit of money on it if you can. And if not, there's solutions out there like Value Line or free research through your brokerage accounts. It, it gives you another stroke of, of understanding of what they're seeing versus what you're seeing. I don't have to be right. That's not my angle in life anymore. I don't have to win. That's not my angle. I don't play card games because I, I only like to play to win. So if you were to, if I were to come over to your house and you say, you want to play Rummy Cubes? I'm like, nope, not unless there's money on it. I was raised competitively um, with sports and with my brothers. So we had a competition in our family to see who got the highest SAT scores. And uh, I did. <laughs> but, but this is the funny part. I was probably the worst student. But I knew 
I could prep myself for that test better than they could. Um, I don't know if that's worth mentioning, but I do like to be informed. There's a, there's a toilet paper startup. Guess what the name is called? Oh, you're going to love this one. Who gives a crap? No, who gives a crap's on second? What's on third? No, no, what's on third? No, who gives a crap is a real name of a company just raised 30 million by targeting only investors who are aligned with the company's mission. Okay, I'm interested. The mission part tells me that these are young people, like millennials. The company uses eco-friendly raw materials and donates half of its profits to sanitation charities. Okay. I like what I'm hearing. Would I would I be willing to give up my Charmin or my Costco one ply? I know you're saying, Rob, why do you use one ply toilet paper? Well, first and foremost, I don't believe in the marketing that soft and gentle on the butt's a good thing. I'm all I'm pro bidet and everything else. <laughs> I don't need cushiony toilet paper. It's so nice that a bear could sleep on it. What? So Australia-based Who Gives a Crap raised $30 million. Their strategy has been a combination of revamping the standard toilet paper production process and touting itself as a brand that stands out. The brand's products, which have expanded into facial tissues and paper towels, uses alternative pulps like bamboo and sugarcane that are more environmentally friendly. The materials traditionally used to make toilet paper. Here's what's going to happen here. Charmin and Scott are going to stomp out this company. Unless Charmin or Scott see that millennials are actually flocking to it on a subscription basis. Because how how is who gives a crap going to get in and do enough grocery stores to really make a difference? Who gives a crap donates half of its profits to charities that improve access to toilets and sanitation supplies for people around the world? Toilet paper rolls are packaged in a simply designed paper instead of the plastic that most rivals use. A pack of 24 rolls is sold for about $30 on the company's site. And they looked at all the brands, and this is funny. What they were using on their packaging were puppies and pillows and feathers and bears. And all four of those things, none of them are related to toilet paper. Um, I like the idea. It's going to be a, would I invest in the idea? I'm not a big, I'm not a big individual product kind of investor. I'm not investing in the next soy or almond milk. It's just not my thing. I don't like private investing. I don't like investing with a friend. I've had friends come up to me numerous times and say, Hey, you know, you want to go in joint on a duplex? I'm like, Nope. So if you want to borrow money at 6%, I'll lend you money at 6%, but I'm not going in joint on a product with you because I don't trust you and I don't trust your spouse. So who gives a crap is planning to expand distribution to countries outside of English speaking world where sanitation problems are a big problem. 10 years ago, the idea of funding a company that was donating half of its profits was something that was not investable in my world. Now it is because the millennials purchase are purchasing the products. There's a Warby Parker store near me and they've replaced the optometrist overpriced glasses industry by giving money away to charities because millennials have a better conscience than I do. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening. 
Find me at robblackshow.com. Have a question? Reach out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. Questions about how to invest in your retirement? Check out robblackshow.com and get in on the conversation. Subscribe to the podcast and video channels. No one cares more about your money than you do. It's time to start to feel good about your financial future. RobBlackShow.com. RobBlackShow.com. I study the sports industry from a business perspective a lot. I just want to look at the business models. Some guys like fashion models. I like business models. I guess I shouldn't say some guys. Gender. Gender. Shame, shame, shame. I should say some people like fashion models. I like business models. The sports industry has rarely been this lucrative. Jeff Bezos and Jay-Z are reportedly working together to potentially buy the Denver Broncos after their owner passed away a couple years ago and the family hasn't figured out what the heck to do with that big asset. Sometimes it's best to sell it, divide it amongst the kids, and move on. A lot of money is being made right now in the sporting world by non-athletes, by non-billionaires. But it's creating a lot of billionaires as the popularity of sports gambling worldwide continues to grow. Companies that service betting sites, companies that help sports teams distribute their data, big data, big information, new business models. I am going to find you every investment opportunity that I can that makes mathematical sense. Sports Radar is now looking for the U.S. for much of its growth. They derive a bulk of their business from established Western markets, where the sports betting market could grow to $23 billion from $1 billion in 2019. There's relationships that Sports Radar has made with the NHL. Major League Baseball, the NBA. If you take a look around the world, there could be cricket. There could be other things, right? Um, Sports Radar has got some pretty impressive founders. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban and Teddy Leonsis, who was an AOL employee. He also owns the Washington Wizards and the Washington Capitals. He's part of a group that does. He's pretty interesting because for years he tried to bring a baseball team to Washington, couldn't get it done, so he put his money into the Capitals and the Bullets at the time, or the Wizards. Um, he made friends with Michael Jordan when he brought Michael Jordan to the Washington Wizards to play, I think, two seasons or something like that. But... It's interesting that you're seeing Jay-Z, Jeff Bezos, Ted Leonsis from AOL, Mark Cuban from Broadcast.com and ShortingYahoo.com. And then you get someone like Michael Jordan comes in. Michael Jordan and Jay-Z are there for smile and chemistry. They are not there to be the deep pockets. They are there. Jay-Z's got money. It's worth 1.3 or 1.4 billion, but that ain't gonna buy you a four billion dollar NFL franchise. Amazon's gonna boost hourly pay to over $18 an hour and hire 125,000 workers. Amazon is a huge company. 
company is hiring to run 100 logistics facilities. It will launch this month on top of the more than 250 that had already opened earlier this year. Um, they've opened, they're going to open 350 logistics facilities in the United States this year. Now you do your math and you're like 350. I think there's 50 states. That's seven, no, seven would be 420. So it's six and a half, right? Somewhere in that ballpark. And it just makes you go, huh? That's a big company. I didn't know they needed to grow quite that fast. And the answer is, well, they are. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. One of the stocks that I found interesting yesterday was it showed up on my list as a loser. And it is Airbnb. What's interesting to me is Twitter, Airbnb, and other internet stocks have gotten some new ratings from Goldman Sachs. His views on the stock shouldn't come as a total surprise to institutional investors. He joined Goldman in July after nearly a nine-year run at EBS. He's generally bullish on tech stocks. He's seen opportunities for investors to capture a mixture of growth, increasing cash flow, and capital returns to shareholders. He has a buy rating on Amazon, on Facebook, Alphabet, Snap, Uber, Lyft, and Expedia. He put neutral ratings on Pinterest, Chewy, Netflix, Spotify, Peloton, company called Booking Holdings, and DoorDash. But he gave a sell on both Airbnb and Twitter. That's interesting to me. Now, again, some of those names like Chewy, I'm fascinated by, subscription for dog food. Spotify subscription for music. Airbnb seems to me to be the de facto hotel booking site now for people who want bigger than one small room, who want a couch maybe to lounge on in someone else's home. They don't do any advertising. On Airbnb, he sees a price target of 132, which is 20% lower than it is right now. Says the company is a strong player with one runway for growth and margin expansion. So there's some things to like about it. But he sees a volatile travel environment ahead. He finds the online travel market to be relatively mature and sees high levels of competitive intensity. So he's listed out 10 themes he sees for the internet group, blurring lines between e-commerce and advertising, the rise of the creator economy, the rise of the creator economy, streaming media reaching global scale, content cost questions, shift of local commerce online, growth of subscription-based services, customer fatigue, growth of cloud computing, more personalized online travel services, growing costs from regulation, and a decentralized web. All fascinating to learn and study and research on. I'm Rob Black. Find me at robblackshow.com. Have a question? Reach out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.